Mari Cardoza-Moore, and this is Focus on Israel. Hello and thank you for joining me today on Focus on Israel. My name is Lori Cardoza-Moore, a wife and proud mother of five wonderful children. Like most Americans, I began to ask a lot of questions about what happened to our country following 9-11. As I read and talked to experts, the issues of radical Islam and the attacks on America and Israel became extremely personal to me. In response, I founded Proclaiming Justice to the Nations a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating and sharing the message of Christian biblical responsibility to the people and land of Israel against the rise of a new anti-Semitism. In this series, Focus on Israel, I want to share with you what I've learned through my research and meetings with experts in their respective fields. The mission of this series and PJTN is to educate and equip you so that you can share this information with your family and friends. We'll present information you'll not see in the mainstream media. With your financial support, we can reach Christians around the world with our message to stand against the growing threat of anti-Semitism and anti-Israel propaganda. I believe it is so very important that at this critical time in history, we must turn our focus on Israel. Now, if you've missed any of our past programs, you still have a chance to review our most recent ones on the PJTN website. I also highly recommend that you purchase the DVDs of our past programs, as most are no longer in the online archive. Every lesson covers a specific topic, and each contains a wealth of information. Plus, each features interviews with numerous experts, including theologians, rabbis, pastors, political leaders, historians, and prominent archaeologists, many of them from Israel. Each program makes a great group study source to share with your family, friends, home group, or church. So please consider how you can make a difference and spread the word. On our program today, we're going to be examining the threat of radical Islam, often referred to as Islamofascism. The war against this antichrist foe wages daily worldwide. Our greatest ally, Israel, is on the front line in this war on terror. To stand with Israel is truly in our best interest, as a weakened Israel means emboldened Islamist regimes and the spread of radical Islam. Our next video is one of PJTN's award-winning documentaries. Lest We Forget was a featured documentary short film at the 2006 Liberty Film Festival. This strong wake-up call about the 9-11 attacks on America draws the clear parallel between current Islamofascism and the Nazis' rise to power in the 1930s. It's a warning we must not forget. It is said 
that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. was the first attack on America by Islamists. How soon we forget. In the seventh century, the Prophet of Allah, Muhammad himself, sanctioned the massacre of a vanquished Jewish tribe. Trenches were dug and 600 to 900 men were beheaded and buried in the trenches while Muhammad watched. Women and children were sold into slavery, a number of them being distributed as gifts among his companions. Allah, may he be exalted, says, when you encounter those infidels who deny the truth, and strike their necks. Quran, Surah 47, verse 4. Recent jihad-inspired decapitations by Muslims have occurred across the globe, sanctioned by core Islamic sacred text and classical Muslim jurisprudence. These acts supplant the sixth pillar of Islam that says, violence is holy. The core belief? Destroy all things infidel. Destroy by any and all means possible, whether in direct conflict, through deceit, or as a martyr of the faith. In order to save your soul for eternity, you have to offer your life. There is a Christian salvation message that says, one will die for all mankind, and that's the Messiah. Or there's an Islamist salvation message that says, if you die as a Shaheed, not only you will go to paradise, but 70 members of your family as well will be able to enter paradise as well. The moment that you get a grip that you want to die for the cause of Allah, what do you do next? It is to be killed and also to kill for Allah. So you must attempt to kill for Allah. So how are you going to kill? 
you want explosives. The explosives are few and the applicants are plenty. The willing souls that are ready to die are plenty. To understand Islam, we must examine the moral code taught by Muhammad. A moral code is a set of values chosen to guide our thinking and behavior. In Western society, every thought or action which tends to support human life is considered good, while any action that tends to threaten it is considered bad. In Islam, the standard of the good is entirely different. Its core value is the spread of Islam. Every thought or action which tends to support the spread of Islam is good, while any action that tends to oppose it is considered bad. It is for this reason that a terrorist can look at himself in the mirror and smile. According to his moral code or his standard of the good, murder and mayhem in support of the spread of Islam is good. Their underlying doctrine is quite literally genocidal with respect to Shiite Muslims, Jews, homosexuals, uh, and apostates. And it's incredibly repressive of everyone else, terribly repressive of women, of course, completely hostile to democracy. There are a good number of, of decent, reasonable Muslims who want to just worship and live their lives with their families and have decent lives and are not fanatics, not terrorists. But when one of their imams, one of the imams from, say, the Sufi uh, tradition or one of the moderate uh, uh, jurisprudential schools like the Hanafis, speaks up and says from a, uh, a mosque in Cairo or a, a publication in Beirut that we really have to work with the Christians and Jews, we have to, to all live together, we're all children of Abraham, we need to, to go at this sensibly, Within days, you'll have several fatwas come out from radical clerics, several in Saudi Arabia usually, and one or two elsewhere, saying this man is an apostate and must be killed. With such demonic forces loose in the world, we can no longer bury our heads in the sand and ignore the darkness that gathers around us. Freedom is once again contending with the forces of darkness and tyranny. Bin Laden and his terrorist allies have made their intentions as clear as Lenin and Hitler before them. The question is, will we listen? Since 2001, the FBI reports that major terrorist cells still exist in many U.S. urban centers. Several of these cells have been uncovered and cell members arrested. But is this just the tip of the iceberg? It's clear that there are people in this country that uh, have links to Al-Qaeda in some shape or form. The FBI and Homeland Security has done an excellent job uh, keeping tabs on some of these people, making it infinitely harder to plan and carry out an attack here in the U.S. Does that mean that we're, uh, you know, that we're immune? Certainly not. From recent events in the U.S., Israel, and other parts of the world, it is clear that the terrorists are ramping up their war against Jews and Christians. Now, with the possibility of Iran becoming a nuclear power, the stakes are growing higher. The greatest threat this world faces is the danger of extremists and terrorists armed with weapons of mass destruction. I don't think Americans understand the threat we're facing. The threat we're facing is much graver than what we saw happen on September 11th. That, that, that was a, 
a reality check and I, and I hope it awakens people to the real threat. What we're facing is a threat to our very existence. A lot of Americans couldn't, will not be able to accept what I'm saying right now because they take their existence for granted. We're talking about a very sophisticated, well-funded enemy that has nuclear arms. If people can remember how that one day of September 11th changed their lives, imagine what uh, one day with a nuclear weapon going off in a major city, what that would do. Think about what several nuclear weapons going off in major cities could do. I believe that uh, Al-Qaeda, from what I, the research I've done, the sources I have, the, the context that I've developed over the years, there's no doubt in my mind that that is what Al-Qaeda's number one goal is. They have been planning American Hiroshima for a decade, and I do believe that they have the means to, to conduct it. American Hiroshima is a plan to, to detonate at least four nuclear weapons in four major American cities on one day. The message is clear. Our enemies are in this war for the long haul, and they're willing to kill any number of men, women, and children to demonstrate the superiority of their world and their God. These extremists say there can be no compromise or dialogue with those they call infidels. It is foolish to think that you can negotiate with them. On December 6, 1941, more than 80% of the American people were opposed to entering the war. They could not see the danger from Nazi Germany and Japan. Fascism was something foreign, a world away separated by oceans of protection. The next day, Americans awoke to the danger they had ignored for too long. Can we afford to fall asleep again? Will it take another 9-11 or something far worse? Today the question is not if, but when. Most Americans and Israelis believe in peace and freedom to live and let live. But to our present enemy, peace is not defined as absence of conflict, but rather absence of the failure to accept Islam. In the 1930s, appeasement of the Nazi regime did not result in peace in our time. It's a fundamental of, you know, history that appeasement never works. It didn't work when Chamberlain tried it against Hitler, and it will not work when Israeli leaders or U.S. leaders try it with the new Hitlers with their headscarves in the Middle East. It is very difficult to take reasonable steps when you're dealing with a fanatic, totalitarian, genocidal enemy and have that regarded as anything other than weakness. Britain and France thought they were taking reasonable steps in the 1930s. Each time from 35 to 39, uh, there was a crisis that the Nazis ginned up and the Nazis, being genocidal fanatics, uh, thought that each step was weakness, not reasonableness. I think that's the way Hamas and um, Hezbollah will uh, interpret uh, reasonableness and therefore I think both uh, have to be uh, effectively completely defeated. The United States doesn't see what the Arabs see. The American will not listen to him because the Americans see what they want to see and hear what they want to hear. We do not accept no peace, 
No international conference, nothing, no compromise. We can either cower in the face of enemies more committed to their values than we are, or we can stand and fight. Above all, we cannot live in fear. The war on terror is being fought on many fronts and in many ways, and today we must all do our part. Pray for the safety of friends and family. Pray for the soldiers fighting the enemy abroad. Learn the truth and spread it. We must know and understand the truth of who our enemy is and how he thinks. We must inform others and help inform the world to see these truths. Organizations such as Proclaiming Justice to the Nations have been established just for this purpose, to combat the lies and half-truths that the international media propagate. Jews and Christians must unite. We must move past our political and doctrinal differences to be unified and bold against our common enemy. We must support Israel. The last refuge of safety for God's people must be preserved. Call upon our leaders to stand behind Israel and not be double-minded in the war on terror. To not give in to the notion of land for peace. We can no longer think that this is a Middle East or Israeli issue. It is now our issue. The extremists have labeled Christians and Jews as the target of their jihad. Demand that our leaders secure the borders and stop bad immigration policies. In a recent report, law enforcement officers of several Texas counties along the border warned that Arabic-speaking individuals are learning Spanish and integrating into Mexican culture. The Texas Sheriff's Border Coalition believes those individuals are likely terrorists and that drug cartels and some members of the Mexican military are helping them enter the U.S. For our children and our children's children, we must never forget. We must not allow history to repeat itself. Our faith and our resolve are being tested. The time for our generation to make a stand is now. This is the great ideological struggle of the 21st century, and it is the calling of our generation. Many world leaders find it easy to blame Israel for all the evils in the Middle East. Some even act and talk as if a new understanding with the Muslim world could be achieved if only we would sacrifice the Jewish state on the altar. This would demonstrate a profound lack of sound judgment. Next up, we'll hear from two men who are experts in foreign policy and the global war on terror. Thomas G. McInerney is a retired United States Air Force Lieutenant General. He is a command pilot with more than 4,100 flying hours, including 407 combat missions during the Vietnam War. He later served overseas in NATO and as a commander of the 11th Air Force in Alaska. Currently, he is a Fox News contributor and is a member of the Iran Policy Committee. Next is Rabbi Dr. Gerald Meister. He recently served at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the State of Israel as its advisor on Israel-Christian relations. He is also a renowned lecturer 
in comparative Jewish Christian theology and has directed the interreligious department of the World Zionist Organization Jewish Agency for Israel. He was present in Jerusalem for the signing of the protocols, establishing relations between Israel and the Vatican. Both men gave me great insight into the dangerous threats Israel and the world faces. The global war on terror has been misnamed, but it is uh, decisive uh, in, in a way. I like to call it the global war against radical Islam, the Jiwari. And uh, the reason I do that is radical Islam is the problem. It is an ideology as evil as Nazism, fascism, and communism. And we have a forward strategy, and we are in Afghanistan, in Iraq, to go to the roots of where this ideology is, is in the region. And it's a regional issue. The Israelis have been facing it for many, many years. It's not a Palestinian issue. It is radical Islam that wants to dominate and has a global objective. Uh, we cannot be naive on that. Extremists have seen that if we got a moderate Iraq, if Iraq was a moderate country ruled by moderates, if Afghanistan is a moderate country ruled by moderates, then the extremists are finished. And that's what this fight is about. It's about moderates and extremists. And will the moderates stand up, which heretofore they have not, in the region? That will also have an ancillary advantage to the Israelis and the Palestinians, because the Palestinians do not like the extremists in their group either. If they had their choice, they would go on and live a, a moderate life. So this is about who will control the moderates in the region. Unfortunately, and I'm very critical now of the Democratic uh, Party leadership in the country because, in my opinion, are aiding and abetting the enemy. Why are they aiding and abetting the enemy? Well, if you put a date time certain to withdraw, the extremists are just going to wait us out and then they, in fact, will dominate Iraq. They'll take that oil, this uh, Shia crescent led by Iran, an extremist uh, Islamic state, will sweep across the region where 60 to 65 percent of the world's energy is. If America did not like $3 a gallon for gasoline, they will not like $15 a gallon. And so the fight is in this region, will moderates win or will extremists win? For those people just believe in death. And if you just believe in death, as they're killing so many innocents by blowing up a Shia or a Sunni marketplace, the fact is it's very difficult to defeat them. And it's the people of Iraq that will finally defeat them. And I believe the Democratic Party leadership better get new leadership and fight this war so we can fight it as the United States of America. The American church, especially the evangelical sector of American religion, began to see Israel in an entirely different light. And I would say that that light became more and more uh, luminous after 9-11, when it became a general understanding that radical Islam, which was never repudiated fully and enough by moderate Islam, Radical Islam delivered a rather formidable blow to the United States in its attack on 
New York and Washington. Christians began to understand that this was the war of Islam against the West and against Western civilization. Many national leaders in the United States wished to quiet the great angst of the population by saying that Islam is really a peaceful religion, a vastly misunderstood religion. But the vast majority of American citizens of many, many religious persuasions within the Christian understanding rejected that in very, very practical terms. Islam has brought Judaism and Christianity closer together, perhaps under terrible conditions, but nevertheless, this is what it has taken and this is what has occurred, and the result is a greater affinity between Jews and Christians, Israel and Christians. Israelis in the past have tried to see the world very often through American perceptions, because there is in Israel a natural affection for the United States. After all, America has been the most steadfast ally and supporter of the Jewish state. But Israelis also began to realize that America has suffered in a way that Israelis have suffered for many, many years from Arab terror, and that this is the new scourge, this is the new Nazism, the new communism of the 21st century. We must not forget that we are at war. It's a global war. Americans know that. Just as our friends around the world proclaimed on 9-11, we are all Americans. So today, we are all Israelis. The time to stand up is now. Be a leader in your community and in your church. One person can make a difference. Get involved with and support pro-Israel organizations such as PJTN. Call your elected officials. Let your leaders hear from you. Visit our website to learn more. Sign up to receive free newsletters, action alerts, daily blogs, and order our films to share with family and friends. I want to thank you for watching our program today. Be sure to join us next week as we'll be focusing on how Christian worship actually began in Jewish synagogues. So please encourage your family and friends to tune in and check the PJTN website for the program schedule. God bless you and thank you for all you do on behalf of your Jewish brethren and all Israel. We'll see you next time on Focus on Israel. To support this program, send your tax-deductible gift to Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, P.O. Box 682711, Franklin, Tennessee, 37068. You can also support PJTN online. Visit PJTN.org or call 1-877-873-9020. Anti-Semitism has reached epic proportions and Israel is now surrounded by nations who seek its destruction. For Israel to lose just one battle would mean losing everything. As Christians, it is our biblical responsibility to stand with our Jewish brethren and Israel. PJTN needs your help to reach more Christians with this urgent message. Please visit our website to become a member today and order our award-winning documentaries. You must decide that you won't be silent. Sign up now at pjtn.org. God bless you and thank you for your support and prayers.